The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show covering all the latest and greatest in the world of PlayStation, even if PlayStation is kind of quiet some weeks. Uh, Joining me this week is very special guest, Frogman from the hit Spider-Man universe. Frogman, how are you doing? Good to have you here. Frogman's doing good. Good good to know. Also, Brian Brian Altano is here as well. Hey, Brian. Good to see you. Good to to see you as well. Uh, We've also got Lucio Brennan. Brian joining us this week. I can't speak. I'm just, I'm so blown away by our, our panel today. No, you were just blown away by Frogman and his little underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. It's nice to be here. Good to have you back. And also joining us this week, Zach Ryan. Zach, hey, everybody. I don't have any frogmen at hand. I'm sorry. That's fine. Do you have a rat nearby? Any rats? No, no rats either. No I'm rats. Sorry. That's unfortunate. I came unprepared. Uh, well, it's it we always do that's kind of how we run things here but even though uh we'll have plenty to talk about in the world of frogs and rats most likely throughout the rest of the episode uh we do have a a little bit of playstation news that we're going to cover briefly at the top of the show uh and then we are going to get a little bit into obviously i was mentioning you know playstation's been a little quiet they weren't at e3 we had that horizon forbidden west state of play a little before e3 but uh we're kind of just waiting on them to have their big showcase at some point we're all sort of expecting it uh so we're going to talk a little bit about what we hope we'll see at whatever that next showcase is. It's, of course, not announced. Knowing our recording schedules, it will probably be announced in between us recording and the show going live. Uh, So we'll talk a little bit about the things we hope that we'll see show up there and the things that we expect as well. Uh, But I do want to touch on just a couple of other things that have been happening this week. Uh, As of the day that we're recording this, uh, June 24th, tomorrow, June 25th, is the day as of right now, I believe that a trailer app for the mysterious game Abandoned is supposed to go live on the PlayStation 5. And if you haven't been following uh, Abandoned uh, online, you've basically been missing out on the latest and greatest conspiracy theory in the world of gaming. Uh, We don't want to spend too much time speculating on what's going on with this, but long story short, essentially Abandoned was this uh, first-person horror game that was reeled in a PlayStation blog post a few months ago. Uh, And since then, everyone on the internet is pretty sure it's a Hideo Kojima game. Uh, And there have been a lot of putting together uh, very, very Charlie Day uh, in that It's Always Sunny episode, Pepe Silvia sort of uh, conspiracy theory ideas that Abandoned and its creators are secretly Kojima making Silent Hills for real, and this is all going to be revealed via this mysterious trailer app. 
Since then, the creators have doubled down in tweets saying like, we are not Kojima, we are not Konami, we are not associated with any of that stuff that hasn't stopped the internet from speculating uh, continuously, uh, even with the, the developer behind the studio posting a video of himself on Twitter and everyone saying, see, he posted a video, he must be a paid actor. Uh, it is a very, very silly labyrinthine conspiracy theory thing that's been going on. Uh, we have a great report sort of breaking down everything that's been going on with it. Uh, it's been updating daily, so not every detail is there, but we have a lot of really great stuff that uh, Jordan Ullman, uh, one of our writers, did sort of covering what's been going on there. Uh, and I just sort of wanted to throw to the panel before we, you know, get into some other stuff. I don't think it's Silent Hills or Kojima. I think this is an indie developer who maybe is in a little bit over their head with a, a marketing rollout that kind of got away from them. And it's the internet, and you just can't stop the internet from conspiracy theories. Um, Brian, I'll start with you. Well, what's your sort of like feeling on Abandoned right now? Um, I, I think you kind of nailed it. I, I, this is definitely a, a scenario where they, you know, the, the one of the heads of the studio had to come out and be like, I'm a human person. I'm a real, I'm real. Don't, I don't doubt that. There was like all this drama on the subreddit uh, over the last few days where people were sort of just like, pulling this thing apart i will say that like we just got out of e3 i love the big like hype i love all like the sizzle reels and all that stuff like that I, video games have ripped off everything from movies except for the part where they send a press release to deadline announcing the title the plot and all of the people involved like movies get announced in, in I, I comparatively boring ways because the, it's just like six paragraphs and it's a lot of sort of production notes and stuff like that. But like a lot of details get exposed and revealed very early on in a project. Uh, like I was just reading about a horror movie um, like uh, two days ago from, you know, Cronenberg's son has been making horror movies and he's working on a new one. They announced the, the plot of the movie. The, the, there's like a two sentence description when they're going to start shooting, when the movie's going to come out and who's in it. And like video games just don't do that. Like everything has to be this like, ooh, it's a puzzle <laughs> all the time. Like every single video game is just like, oh, there's a countdown clock. And what are we working on? It's a tease. It's a logo. It's everything's an ARG. And even when it's not, um, even when it's just sort of like, here's what we're doing. The fans have been so conditioned to think everything is a puzzle that we warp everything into being a puzzle. And I think that like, that's really fun a lot of times. There's a lot of like, and we get a lot of mileage out of that here at IGN, right? There's a lot of like speculative conversations and a lot of like what this, what, what this could be kind of stuff. It's great. Like if you look at Death Stranding, right? That was like five years of like just weird short art films of whales and ink and astronauts and all this nonsense to, fi to finally figure out what it actually was. And there was a long time there where people thought it was a Metal Gear game and it was all these other things um, until we finally found out it's Death Stranding, which has been out for a while. But I, I kind of wish that video games were a little bit more direct in their marketing, in their presentation, in their reveals, um, because I think that we've, we've backed ourselves into a corner here and we've decided that everything needs to be this mystery. And I, I kind of wish it wasn't. Yeah, it's a, it, I, it is a lot of fun sometimes to see the speculation go off the rails. I am sure it has not been fun for this developer. You know, like if we get to this point and we do have it confirmed that everything is not some Silent Hills Kojima mystery box ARG that's been going on, this guy's probably had a few sleepless nights going on. Right. And like, regardless of the quality of the game, it is a lot for a human being to have to go through. It's, it is, but I also understand the natural human inclination, but I totally agree with you. It's part of the fact that like, the industry is built on that mystery. So much mm -hmm. of every reveal, every like major game drop has some air of mystery to it. And I think that's especially why when we've all been working from home, like 
this there has been so much energy. I feel like an increased energy. And Lucy, I feel like we've talked about this. Like there's been an increased focus and attention put on leakers and everyone who has inside information. And the second someone says something on the internet, people just kind of want information. And so mm -hmm. people glom onto these things. And I think you've had a bit of like, you know, weird coincidences here and there, like the developer's initials being HNK. And so people assume Kojima there, like people drawing lines where they... You, I, like I see where the human brain can go, but it's a it's a very strange, fascinating story. I don't know how you feel about in terms of like where we're getting with this reveal, but I I just kind of want to get past the point of it and see what the actual game is. Like mm -hmm. I hope it's a cool horror game. Yeah, I mean, like I want you know I I I love uh, horror games as 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 people know, um, but you know I also love a dumb conspiracy theory. I love <laughs> the fact that people thought Avril Lavigne died and was replaced by a clone. Oh, that I actually did fact... happen. That actually did right. happen. Right, oh, okay. Oh, of course. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. That's actually true. Um, great. The receipts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, you know, this was one of those, and I know, you know, it affected Blue Box and, and I do feel for them, but at the same time, I kind of, I feel sort of a little bit the opposite to you, Altano. Like, I love the stupidity of the conspiracy theories that happen in video games. I mean, to, you know, to a point, I don't, I certainly don't want anyone to get hurt and I don't want anyone to, you know, lose sleep or business uh, over a conspiracy theory. But this one has been particularly fun to unravel just because, I don't know, it was, it's, it, sort of they certainly didn't help their cause at a certain point of time and and tweeting out you know things that were very leading and misleading mm -hmm. um I, you know again small indie studio over their head i get it and i i think the ship will be righted eventually once people actually see what this is but like <laughs> i've been finding it quite entertaining and um Jordan Olliman, who you mentioned uh who's been covering it for IGN he's a freelancer uh, based in the UK uh, so he's one of six people followed by this indie studio, which means that all of these conspiracy theorists, the theorists, theorists uh, believe that he's part of it, believe mm -hmm. that he's part of this whole grand plan to, uh, you know, basically unravel a Kojima game. Um, well, I think we should we should probably exclusively reveal on the show right now, then for the subreddit that Jordan is a ghost. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. And, yeah. Yeah. So and can, he was through walls and stuff. So that's just you know, just put that out there. Yeah, it took it was, it was time. It's time that we come forward with that. It was it was a yeah. difficult onboarding process, but you know we got it. Um, but you well, know, mostly like, because he was trying to sign his contract and the pen kept slipping through his hand. I don't know. It's it's funny, and like I've always loved the fact that Kojima is. You know, Kojima was like very much an original sort of like troll for me before I knew what trolling was, and uh, I love the fact that people are always expecting him to 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 be trolling and he's certainly got a track record of it. Again, I think as soon as we see what Abandon actually is, I think it'll turn out to be a cool little horror game and that will be that. But right now I'm just like, this is kind of entertaining. I'm like, so, I'm enjoying myself. So that's what I was gonna say is like, the, the reason I feel like this is like a cyclical, like a self-fulfilling prophecy is because Kojima is the one that sort of masterminded or engineered the idea of like, I've created a misleading trailer. Like I've created this trailer to throw people off the scent of what it really is. So the more people deny that this thing isn't what they want or think it could be, the more they're like, oh, no, this is tricky Kojima. <laughs> added it and then it doesn't help that he's also in the media right now talking about how it's important to have misleading trailers. It's important to plant these misnomers 
And so people are like, oh, he's over there. He's saying mm-hmm. this stuff. Like it, it just, it's the, the, it's a, it's an Ouroboros, right? Like it's just, yeah. the, no, the more it becomes uh, this, this denial, the more people are like, oh, they, look how hard they're denying it. It must be true. And like yeah. you said at the beginning, Jonathan, like it definitely smacks of maybe a small team that it is in over their heads because their initial response was to lean into it and be like, yeah, that's right. Like we, who we might be Kojima. You don't know. And then they're like, <laughs> Oh shit, this backfired. We're definitely not that. We're definitely not him. Like, well, and, and speaking to what Lucy was mentioning, like a couple of moves that they've made that haven't quite like that have played into this hand a little bit was like that tweet that they did where it was like abandoned equals S first letter L last letter. And it's like everyone immediately, I think that was the tweet that really catapulted mm-hmm. this from like, okay, maybe this could be something to people really, really getting into the idea that this could be Silent Hill, which I, I genuinely do not think it is. If we get to tomorrow and it is, awesome. But yeah, it's like going back to the Kojima of it all, it, it is that funny, fascinating thing of like the last time he, like we were talking about Death Stranding marketing and, and definitely there was like misleading or mysterious elements of it. But like the last time he really, really doubled in on the like fake developer was the Phantom Pain. Right. And it was, mm-hmm. but it was like the most ham-fisted, obvious version of it. <laughs> yeah. So either this is like, to me, the thing is like the fact that they keep what saying- What did they call ourselves? Joachim Mogren? Yeah. 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 yeah, Jeff Kelly Joachim had to like interview that guy wrapped in bandages. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it was so, <laughs> so obviously dumb. bad. So dumb. And the internet figured it out in like 30 seconds. Yeah. And so like mm-hmm. that's part of it for me is like the fact that there aren't enough concrete bits of evidence here is like we're, we are much better at being sleuths too much at this point in time. And so I feel like if, if the, yeah. the things were there that really pointed it out, they would have revealed themselves by now. But again, who knows at this point? Like mm-hmm. I, I am along for the ride as, as you all were saying, like it is fun to engage with this stuff. I wish the video game marketing machine didn't allow for it to be so easy to get swept up because I think some of the clues people are leaning on definitely are just, it's just a coincidence. Like there are genuinely just some coincidences sometimes, but um, Mm -hmm. it's been a really fun thing to follow. Like I said, this is supposedly the trailer app thing that's going to be on the PS5. We'll reveal this the day after we're recording. So I don't want to like harp on it for too long, but it's been a really fun, fascinating ride to watch this all uh, unfold. And I guess, you know, with like E3 just wasn't exciting enough for people. So we have this. Um, but I, I do want to move on because I do want to talk a little bit uh, about both the games that we've been playing because a, a few of us haven't been on for a little while. Uh, and also to get into a little bit about so tying into this, like the fact that I think people are glomming onto this so much is the idea that, well, Sony hasn't been saying much. And so here's a potential PS5 exclusive that people want to see. Uh, there were rumors that were breaking earlier today before we were recording about the potential for uh, Ghost of Tsushima DLC, single player DLC being revealed that a lot of people have been uh, hopping on as well. And Insomniac just put up some job uh, listings for a, a multiplayer project. And so, so much of what's happening right now is the like, okay, what is going on with Sony? Because we got to this point where we saw so much of, you know, from that June reveal event of the PS5, we're now pretty much just waiting on the first party side for Horizon and God of War. Everything else is a mystery. Um, And we've been getting these little bits and pieces of, uh, you know, relationships that they're establishing with teams like Deviation Games, Haven Studios, and Firewalk. Like we're, we're getting ideas of what's to come from Sony, but not like immediately these are those are teams that are going to be working on games years from this episode of podcast beyond is brought to you by nordvpn a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace 
Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, let's hear them talk about it. Shows that are so bad they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit, you know, with some of these games in mind, like the the potential Ghost of Tsushima DLC, stuff like a, another Insomniac project, because they can, they just seem to not be able to stop making games. They, the the speed at which they are able to put out some really awesome stuff is incredible. So I do want to sort of talk about, we are, I think, all sort of under the expectation that we will get a state of play soon. Um, this is not us operating under any insider information. Lucy, I know you were on GameScoop earlier this weekend. And Zach, you were <laughs> saying that I don't know yeah. anything. <laughs> this is not us trying to be like, oh yeah, while I was interviewing Herman, he happened to say, check out July 17th, but it was embedded in the background of his bookcase. We're not, we're not leading to any sort of conspiracy stuff there, but I think like the expectation is Sony needs to say something soon. And this quieter summer period before we get to Gamescom in August feels like a pretty good time to do so. Um, so I want to go over a little bit of the stuff that we hope we'll see and we expect we'll see. Uh, Zach, I'll actually start with you, uh, just to kind of go backward from the last order. Sure. Um, what are things that you 
really, really hope we'll see whenever Sony decides to, decides to do its next state of play, its PS5 showcase, whatever they call it these days. What, what are things you really, really hope we get to see? Uh, I mean, I would love to see Ghost of Tsushima DLC. Um, that's not something that I'd ever actually really considered, but um, if if they were to do single-player DLC, I love that game. It's the only, I mean, I know this is sacrilegious to say it on a PlayStation show, but it's the only Platinum that I've ever gotten. Like, I I, I love this game so much, and I'd I'm love to- I'm just happy you have a Platinum. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. I, yes. You've always been so supportive of me and my endeavors. <laughs> um, I, I think that, uh, you know, if they were to do single-player DLC, I would be there for it day one for sure. Um, I don't, you know, it's it's just a shame that none of the four of us on this show have anyone we know at Sucker Punch that we can contact and ask about this kind of thing, but maybe one day. Um, Absolutely. But in terms of, like, what kind of new announcements I would like to see, I was thinking about this last night, and I think that a lot of the... Outside of the Sony first-party stuff, you know, Horizon, God of War, Last of Us, you know, stuff like that. Um, I, I think that a lot of the stuff that I came to PlayStation for as a kid, a lot of the franchises that I so closely associated with PlayStation, like Resident Evil or Final Fantasy or, you know, something along those lines, have gone multi-platform, right? Those publishers have taken their games to, to Microsoft and, and Sony. And um, so when I'm thinking about, like, what kind of Sony announcement would I want to see... Um, I would love to see a spiritual successor to something that like Sony Japan Studios had done previously, like something like a spiritual successor to what the the team behind Ico and Shadow of the Colossus had done, right? Like I would love to see something in that vein that is more of a, I don't know, an art school approach to, to these big AAA video games that I feel like we've been not necessarily missing, but this is the kind of stuff that like would really, really get me pumped to see as an announcement because i think um you know since this team's uh uh since this team was dissolved and you know we know that sony uh, japan studios has uh, had their recent turmoils and stuff like that as well um you know maybe just the astrobot team is working on something right now but i'd love to see something more akin to these kind of these classics yeah there's, there's definitely a lineage there that i like i Obviously, we've talked about it a lot. I love the Astrobot games. I think they're phenomenal and they're they're huge love letters to history. But you're right; they they're obviously not this like as you said. I think you really hit it like this art school approach um, that uh, we see from some stuff like that, or even for me, like personally, the uh, Team Siren uh, Gravity Rush games were awesome and and in a sort of style of thing we just don't get to see that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd I'd really love to see stuff in that vein. You're totally right. That's exclusive and plays into playstation legacy even if it's not maybe from a first party at this point anymore yeah um lucy what about you what what are you hoping to see what do you what do you really want to show up at a potential i mean i think that we will see you know we'll see death stranding uh director's cut for sure like realistically um but what i what i would like honestly is a, a sort of more fully rounded uh state of play more akin to microsoft's uh e3 showcase uh where it's just basically like this is a bunch of the cool stuff that we're working on um you know with a with a with a great sort of a sense of hype behind it with the with the one last big game at the end i kind of like i'm at the point now with sony where i i really appreciate the very sort of focused state of plays that you know do deep dives on a single game but i you know we know about horizon we know that god of war is coming we know that there will be a dedicated god of war state of play what i would like is just something that's a little bit more broad uh that is like here's a bunch of stuff that you don't know about that we've got in the works we're not going to necessarily 
I mean, look at the, you know, Outer Wilds 2. Uh, wait, have I have I used the right name? Yeah, no, you there? got it wrong. It's Outer Worlds. Outer, Outer Worlds 2 uh, trailer. You know, there doesn't necessarily need to be a massive deep dive on on any of these properties. We just kind of want to know that they're in the works. And we know that PlayStation has a bunch of, like, games, uh, you know, 25 games, uh, half of which are new IP that was announced in May. Uh, there's a lot in the bank. I would like to know about it. Can be teasers. I just want to be excited. You know, I feel like Microsoft and Nintendo got to like eat quite well last week. Mm -hmm. And I would really like, uh, as a Sony fan to, you know, have something similar. That was, um, that actually brings up a really interesting point that I think, uh, Brian, you had mentioned this a lot before the reveal of the, the PS5 and everything like during those showcases, this like early period is a really great time to have those teaser trailers because it's almost like a little more permitted, like four or five years down the line of the PS5, you kind of need gameplay to show us something really captivating. But like right now, we're still just so excited for new ideas, new franchises, new IPs and whatnot, that mm -hmm. seeing like you were saying, Lucy, the Outer Worlds trailer. It's really mm -hmm. funny. They don't have the game yet. Which I call the know. Outer Wilds because I will forever get those mixed up. The, mm -hmm. the Outer Lands trailer was really cool. It's it, outside Lands, which out, is... Excuse me. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> it's Inside Out, the hit Pixar film. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it, this is the time where that stuff is okay. And Lucy, you're totally right. With like 25 games in the works, let's see at least five of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm really excited to see what that potential library could end up being. But but Brian, what about for you? What are you, what are you really hoping we see? So I'm gonna devil's advocate a little bit and just say that we I, I would say PlayStation fans or at least PS5 owners ate pretty well during E3 because we got a AAA first party game launched the Friday of E3. They got amazing reviews. Um, it's exclusive. It's from Insomniac. It's you know and it's it's. It's fantastic. We also had uh, the Horizon State of Play recently, just before that. We got that sort of disappointing update on God of War. So we got like we got a we got a big new game to play, which Microsoft owners or Xbox owners didn't really get. Nintendo owners didn't really get. Um, and we got uh, some we got some updates on some stuff that's coming. And so I, to me, that's like I know they have a bunch of irons in the fire. I don't really want them to like put out something that's like small and sort of like, you know, doesn't really pertain to like the whole library. I, I like Lucy's idea of getting this sort of just like small, you know, kind of rapid fire smattering of different things that they're working on. I, that would be awesome. Cause I think that's a really great way to collate a bunch of like uh, tiny games and, and big games at the same time. Um, th those are always my favorite kind of E3s. And I think like say to play has occasionally reached those levels where they'll go, Hey, we have, we have these three or four things. And then these two or three big things, which I, I kind of dig, but I don't want them to like, feel like they have to rush something out this month or next month. Um, because I, I I think that like they're selling every system that they put out. The the games they're putting out are doing are are, are look fantastic. You know, Ratchet and Clank is awesome. It's one of my favorite games of the year. I want them to be able to, you know, get more PS5s in more people's hands. And uh like rather than, you know, figure out how to like win win E3 a month later or anything like that, they just kind of take their time until they're ready to talk. I don't really know if we're ever gonna get like another sort of 60 minute presentation from Sony. That's just like which bums me out because I love that stuff, right? Like that—that that was a blast. That was a blast at E3 from from both you know Nintendo and Microsoft. But I don't know if they're if that's like in the cards for them anymore. I feel like they will just like they'll they'll 
talk when they're ready. And when they have a couple of things to show, they'll glue, glue them together and show them. Um, and until then, you know, get PlayStation fives out, let people play them and put, put more games like ratchet out for us, you know, to actually, cause ratchet's a game that you can, you can buy and play right now. Whereas like a lot of the stuff in the Xbox conference is like, you know, theoretically, I don't know when I'm going to be playing some of those things. So, um, same with, you know, the, uh, Nintendo, you know, sort of tail ended their thing with breath of the wild too, which like, doesn't even really have a release date right now. And so I'll take, I'll take games that, you know, I, I can play right now versus stuff that I'm not gonna be able to see for years and years. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think I'd, I'd say that like, to, to like compare the two, I feel like we've, while everyone has been really excited on the Xbox and Nintendo side, not that there haven't been, you know, great Switch games over the last few years, but like the last maybe three or four months, PlayStation has been getting the the really big games and everyone else has been getting the big announcements. I think where I'm coming from, at least in terms of like what I want, is I think back to that like March state of play, I want to say it was, where like we sort of got this strange update of a couple games coming out in the next few months, but not a ton and it was cool to see like Sifu was revealed there and that seemed really cool and we got the FF7 remake DLC announcement there and, mm-hmm. or, or footage and stuff and I, I think it's great to see that stuff I just feel like we need a bit more of a check-in of things of that nature because right now it is we know Horizon is tentatively scheduled for holiday and God of War and Gran Turismo are next year but other than that like the what the PlayStation ecosystem looks like in the months to come is, you know, there are six awesome indie games that got announced for PS5 in those two showcases last year. Give us a Stray update. Give us an update on uh, even something like Goodbye Volcano High, which looked really cool and endearing. Like, there there was stuff last year that we just haven't really heard from. And granted, indie devs, like, work on the schedules that work for you. Obviously, don't rush. But I feel like PlayStation could say, here's what we've got in store for the, like, a small slice of what we have in store for the next six months. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, even something like Kana is coming out in August hasn't really been prominently at a PlayStation thing since that state of play in March. Um, yeah, I agree, Dono. And that's what I, you know, I was on Next Gen Console Watch and then I was on Game Scoop saying this exact same thing. Because, like, you know, they're like, what do you feel? How do you feel as a PlayStation owner? Like, you know, <laughs> Nintendo and Microsoft did so well. Wait, I'm sorry. Just, who, who's asking you that way? Because that <laughs> was very that was, insidious. Was that? <laughs> that was Damon Hatfield. That both times asking, yeah, Lucy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It that classic demon stature. Correct. Yes, yeah. Um, no, he wasn't. He wasn't hissing in my ear like that. But you know, he he was he was asking in a very reasonable manner. Um, but but you know, it it it. I I have to be honest. It's it's difficult when you're sort of looking at um, the transparency and the well, you know, the the sort of the hype that has been building with Microsoft and Nintendo over event season and you know, sort of silence from Sony. Uh, and I don't think it takes much, you know, which is what I've said all along. I just think it needs it's a little bit more communication. Just a mm-hmm. bit more communication uh, it goes a long way. I don't think anyone is ravenous for, you know, massive 60-minute deep dives. Well, I mean, maybe. But uh, <laughs> we, we don't necessarily need that to be stated, right? It's just, uh, it's just a sort of an acknowledgement that, Sony sees its fans, uh, that the PlayStation 5 is still a machine that that is going to get some great games on it. Uh, and just a, you know, just a, a little update here and there would be really I mean, the, the thing is, it, this is like the PS5 is like the fat, it's like the fastest selling console that they've ever mm-hmm. made right now. Right. Like, and they're yeah. like, so I, like, I, I'm, I'm, I totally understand what you guys are saying, but I also feel like 
they're, they're probably sitting there going, we don't need to do anything. Like, yeah, oh, for sure. That's, you know, from a business every system we put out, but I mean, it's for us, it's fun. It's definitely fun. And I would love to see more. Um, but it's also, I don't know, like it, it just feels, it, it feels like a lot of this conversation is happening sort of like on Twitter and on social media and stuff like that. And it's a lot of like, you know, Microsoft is like owning Twitter and Sony isn't, and it's like, so what? Like, that's, that's a bad website. I hate it. Like I use it all the time, but it's bad. But like, I feel like if they're selling every system they make and they're putting out games that are selling well, then like they just they really just need to figure out how to make more consoles. <laughs> like that's that's their biggest issue in the world right now. I mean, it's and it's not even really their issue particularly. I, I think that um, I think PlayStation is in really is in a really unique position because PlayStation at this point, like if especially when you're talking about the IGN audience, right? Like PlayStation at this point has surpassed a level of needing to subscribe to those uh, traditional media beats, right? Mm -hmm. They are at a point where like, like Rockstar Games doesn't need to attend E3 because they'll show you whatever they've got when they're damn good and ready. And I think PlayStation mm -hmm. is in a similar boat. And I think it's a, it's a smart move on their part because look at a lot of the conversation coming out of E3 this year, right? How many tweets did you see about Square and Capcom and uh take two and you know all these other things that had these these outlets or these corporations that had these presentations and then people were like hey if you don't have anything to show off don't show anything right like, don't have a yeah. presentation if you're not going to show us something like capcom resident evil 8 is my game of the year thus far and capcom showing a, a powerpoint slide that's like by the way we're gonna start that game that you guys like so much who knew you would have loved it to this extent like you know like that that's fine i understand where they're coming from but as you can see here's the playstation 5 um but mm -hmm. playstation specifically is in a place where they don't need to show off anything unless unless they're ready to show stuff off because what's going to happen is they're going to show that stuff and people are going to lose their minds and they have the oh, biggest sure. install base and it's going to sell you know like they're I, I think that they're in a great position right now the only thing, the only other thing that I thought of about, um, you know, sort of our dream pitch for the next, uh, not direct, uh, state of play. Um, I, I think that the only way that Sony could bolster the conversation and really, really help combat what the conversation is about them versus Microsoft at this point is to finally reveal whatever they're going to do to be competitive against Game Pass. Like whatever they've got in the works that will challenge Game Pass. Uh, that reveal will help like you're saying brian like turn that tide on twitter where people are saying like oh twitter's talking about only microsoft all they have to do is turn flip that switch and show us what they're working on there and it would be a, a sea change i think mm -hmm. that that because they have talked a little bit about what their competitor is but I do, like just mm -hmm. to sort of throw it back at you i guess because i've thought about that a lot too of like i feel like generally the conversation is often look what microsoft is doing for players for putting mm -hmm. games on game pass for getting people access to these games regardless of the box they own things like that but along the, the same lines of like playstation doesn't have to say something until they feel like it because of how well they're selling i think they'll have a game pass equivalent at some point but are they also in a rush to show that off because mm -hmm. they like other than the mindshare sort of thing on social media they are still like they are still selling games like crazy you know like mm -hmm. Ratchet probably sold very well. Returnal sold well. Um, these are things that they don't need to put on Game Pass. Whereas, like at least at the start of things, like 
obviously like I, I think the the tide has shifted no pun intended but like people are really really excited about sea of thieves but sea of thieves was really helped by being on game pass and letting millions of people get mm-hmm. to play it instantly right um, i think like pretty famously you know we didn't give crackdown 3 a great score but so many people played crackdown 3 a lot of places didn't give it a great score but but crackdown 3 a lot of people were like well i just pick it up on game pass and it's fine i didn't pay 60 dollars for it it's just mm-hmm. part of my subscription but playstation shows people Ratchet and Clank and people are going to go buy Ratchet and Clank right now. Right. Um, and so I, I just don't know when we're going to see that equivalent. Like I, right. I genuinely don't know if that is a, a near term thing or if that's like a two or three years down the line, if, and when we start to see sales level out, you know? Yeah. Um, that's also, I mean, it's, I, I would argue that that would currently cannibalize this, the sales of their, you know, their pitch of you will spend $70 for high quality games. Like the way I've been describing it to people, um, is that Game Pass kind of feels like Netflix and PlayStation 5 feels like like IMAX, where it's like four or five times a year, you you spend the extra money and you get this like kind of amazing experience. But Netflix is like what I go to, you know, most evenings to see what's on there. And it's like, you know, animal dating shows or whatever. <laughs> like, it's like <laughs> Gross. It's weird stuff. Like, yeah, I'm not like I'm watching those things. Nope, nope. Uh, you know, problem with people that do, You're but... You're I'm gonna, gonna watch that show. I, it it also if you know I, when I pay for Netflix, I feel I'm like, am I kickstarting the next TLC? Like, what is this? Um, mm. But no, it's a it, it definitely feels like there's, and that's not to say that Microsoft doesn't have a ton of high quality games because they definitely do. And I think the fact that like they're taking games like Forza and Halo and putting them directly to Game Pass is awesome. And I know people will probably buy them anyway because some people do that. But if Sony can top NPD with Ratchet for 70 bucks and Returnal and they can get those games up up there, then I don't really know if they're in a rush. I, like We've said this for years, but I think what they really need to do is change the branding on PlayStation Now. They have something in their back pocket that's already kind of there that can compete with it. They got to ring that bell a little louder. Um, if you look at some of the most popular games on PlayStation Now, like they're big, awesome games. But I, I don't think that the average consumer knows as much about it, or at least they don't on you know modern social media, because we just hear about Game Pass every single day. But there are so many awesome things on now that they just don't surface as well, because that service is sort of secondary to PS Plus. And I, I mean, think now still also has to stuff like step up its game. Yeah. Yes. Frankly. Yeah. Like I, I think that you know the infrastructure is there, but uh, if it's going to compete with Game Pass, which at this point. You know, we don't know yet because we haven't seen that sea change, but everything points towards uh, Game Pass being like the best value for your buck right now in in gaming. Um, That's a competitive stance to take. And if you're going to compete with that and you've already got the infrastructure, which Sony does, it just needs to be better. (laughs) It just needs to be better. We need to see like new games coming in on PlayStation now day one. Yeah, and and now still, as far as I know, at least like the last time I checked in, I don't think it's changed in the last week or two. But there aren't PlayStation Five games on there even yet, um, so mm-hmm. we're still waiting for for the the latest gen of releases. But yeah, like going back to what's been said, I, I totally agree. I think like the the Game Pass narrative is definitely shifting and changing, and I think PlayStation will have to respond to it at some point. But yeah, it's this fascinating thing where, as you were saying, Brian, like they are really trying to make that you will spend 70 bucks for this thing. And, you know, we're still waiting on the MPD for Ratchet and Clank, I believe, but I'm sure it was near the top, if not pretty high up. Returnal was in the top 10 uh, as a completely new franchise on one of the least available systems around. Like they, they are doing amazing for yeah. $70, you know, bleak sci-fi 
and endlessly killing you game. Like that's, <laughs> that's not really one of those things you'd associate, but I mean, I think that's, it, it just, that's an awesome game. So I'm, it's well-deserved. And, and then like, honestly, I, I believe, you know, I, I'll say it outright. Like I believe well, for me personally, like PlayStation makes the games I want to play over right. Xbox, right? Like right. the first party studios games on PlayStation, those are, that's for me. Right. Yeah. And like Xbox has, especially now with the Bethesda acquisition has a lot more, but like right. still, when I think about it, I want to play first party studios games. What, um, what PlayStation needs to do. And this is not, this is not me like saying oh xbox is, is just killing it and crushing it but i think xbox is playing a different game and, and making some really mm -hmm. smart moves that sony needs to like address in order to keep up because like it, the the games will only take them so far as the as the the sort of you know the industry changes and as uh the, the competition changes mm. um and that's what i want to see from sony because i believe that the games are always going to be like top quality, <laughs> you know, that's, that's how I feel. Whereas with Xbox, it's, it's more of a mixed bag. Well, um, I think it's, I think it's really interesting. Like, uh, sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I, I, think it's, I think what's really interesting about the disparity between PlayStation first party studios and Xbox first party studios is the establishment of what a first party studio means in respect to each of those, co those companies, right? Like I've not been an Xbox guy. Uh, I've always been a PlayStation and Nintendo guy, but this is the mm -hmm. first, this is the first generation that I have a, an Xbox and I've been playing a lot of stuff on series X third party stuff specifically because I just, I'm just really liking playing games there right now. However, when I think of what each company has to offer, when I think of Sony, I think of first party studios like Naughty Dog, like Sucker Punch, right? Like these studios that ha have made themselves synonymous with the PlayStation brand. And I don't think that, I don't think that Xbox has studios that have that same sort of correlation, right? Like I definitely think like, like you're, you're talking about Bethesda as part of their acquisition and yeah, for sure. That's a huge get, but that still doesn't feel like an Xbox studio to me, you it know, like even like soon, playground, but it will right. soon. That's, that's the thing. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting to is yeah. like, you know, even like a, a studio like playground making horizon and fable, like that doesn't, they make games for Xbox, but I don't think of them synonymously as like an Xbox studio in the same way that I do. But that's the other part of this is that that narrative is going to change, soon, mm -hmm. right? Because they, mm -hmm. because of the fact that they've bolstered, you know, adding Obsidian, adding Ninja Theory, like all of these games, making games that are exclusive to Xbox, I think we will see that 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 kind of sentiment, that kind of conversation change. I think part of that too is something that you were just saying there that really came to mind for me is like as someone who has owned since the original Xbox and like 360 was I owned a 360 for years before I had a PS3 that generation. Like mm -hmm. I associate a, a few like a few franchises with Xboxes, Xbox's output, but not Halo and Gears, right? Halo and right. Gears, but th those also changed hands. It's like, right. you know, Bungie, and then it went to 343 for Halo, and mm -hmm. 343 has had- Coalition like, for Gears. Exactly, yeah. and, and 343 yeah. has had ups and downs with Halo, where some of the mm -hmm. multiplayer worked really well. People didn't love Halo 5's campaign. <laughs> um, like Fable was obviously Lionhead's thing and people love Playground, but Playground hasn't made a Fable yet. And so mm -hmm. like, they are very talented teams, but the the franchises that all of them are associated with are really coming into their own, I think more now for those studios. Um, yeah. Obviously not to like disparage any of the work that's been done by any of them, but just like, mm -hmm. I, I think to your point of, I don't associate 343 as a Xbox studio. I associate Halo as an Xbox brand. Brand, right. And, right. And, well, and like just to play devil's advocate to that, like 
obviously the four of us have been in the PlayStation. We've had the PlayStation passion for so long. Xbox fans might be listening to this conversation and being like, you guys are crazy. Of course, those are Xbox studios. You know what I mean? Of course, yeah. 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 Well, no, I mean, like, I I totally think it's fair to say that, especially through the Xbox One generation, which was a, Mm -hmm. you know, tumultuous generation for them. I think especially the fans that stuck with them. Like, I played uh, Halo 1, 2, and 3 are probably some of my most played games of all time. And, mm-hmm. But, you know, I kind of jumped ship when it came to Halo 4 and Halo 5, and I just, I, I went away from them. But there very possibly are people who have this very fond affection for 343 as a brand. You're totally right. That just may be there and it's just not something we're as cognitively, mm-hmm. like, close to. But yeah. it, it just to say, like, at least in terms of the general, like, mainstream conversation of it all, I feel like we talk about Xbox and Halo and Gears and Forza, whereas we do talk about PlayStation with The Last of Us and and sucker and, and goes to tsushima but we also talk about playstation with sucker punch and Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog, and it, yeah. it, it feels like the teams have that prominence and i think xbox is getting there and mm-hmm. once they do we're going to have a lot of interesting you know back and forth discussions on that stuff yeah i mean if you if you look at these two companies racing i don't know i mean i don't know if nintendo's like in the race there they've had the best-selling console for 30 months in a row yeah so, like yeah they're they're, they're <laughs> All over here being like what should these guys do and nintendo's just like wahoo like so it's, that's the funniest <laughs> thing about buy mario kart 8 deluxe again yeah but if it's you know if you think about it like two people racing which is a very like a, a children's idiot metaphor but <laughs> what, playstation has been miles ahead for a very long time now uh you know microsoft wasn't even reporting sales numbers for their consoles for all of last generation because things were so tepid for a long time mm. um and they had some great decisions they had some great games and some, some powerful hardware but they, they did not report port sales like period and that's very different than what they were doing the generation before and the generation before that uh and so I, it's sort of like microsoft is making all of these moves right now to catch up because they have to and i'm mm-hmm. not sure how much of the race sony needs to spend looking backwards or looking mm-hmm. to the right instead of just like running forward and seeing what's working like obviously there's a detriment to only focusing on what you're doing and assuming it'll keep working forever, right? That's sort of the definition of insanity. But also, like, I don't know if we should be giving Sony, like, so much shit that they need to be doing all the things that Microsoft is doing, because Microsoft is only doing those things to get to a fraction of the level that Sony's already been at for a long time. And I'm Good just, point. I'm not just talking about quality of games and output and stuff like that. I'm talking, like, specifically just about numbers. Like, at the end of the day, if you were selling a bunch of things and you're, Third-party games are selling better on PlayStation, and you know, uh, first-party games are hitting higher Metacritics by and large. Um, and I, I tweeted recently about how much I, I've been playing my Series X more than my PS5. I love it, and I got a bunch of you know shit from PlayStation fans, and like that's you know part of it is every three days somebody will call one of us a fanboy for the opposite reason than they did three days before that. That's fine. Who cares? We're all you know. I, I, distance learning will end soon. Kids will go back to school. They won't be on their computers as much. Got it. I think just to just quickly to make it clear, because this is something that comes up, obviously, in the comments every week, and we always have to talk about, we all own all of the systems. I think it's fair to say, and obviously, feel free to tell me if you all disagree, I want both companies to be doing well, because it only forces both companies to then play a yep. better game and to try harder and to compete. Like, at the end of the mm-hmm. day... I want reasons to go to my Xbox and I'm glad that they are on the way. Like I, as someone who really played my 360 a ton, never touched my Xbox one, even though I had one, I'm so happy that Forza Horizon 5 looks amazing. Halo Infinite looks really rad. Like Psychonauts 2 is out in a few months, and even though it's multi-platform, like Mm -hmm. coming from Double Fine and all this stuff. I'm so happy that they have all this stuff on the way because I do think it is going to push PlayStation. But I, I do agree with you, Brian. Like 
PlayStation right now, I totally think is in the mindset of we don't need to one-to-one compete with them while we're still ahead. Mm-hmm. But, uh, okay, I'm just going to say one more thing. Yes. And I hate myself for doing this because I do it like in personal relationships and I'm like, I just have one more thing to say. And it's like, no, <laughs> just leave it alone. Um, <laughs> but, no, this no. has been a great conversation. I love this conversation. I'm just talking to you guys. I, I, I agree to a point. I think that, you know, there has to be an understanding that what Xbox is doing is extraordinarily consumer friendly, extraordinarily Mm, consumer forward. Right. And I think that there is something to be said. There's something really powerful about that. You know, I think that we're going to get to a point where, uh, things are coming out on gay pass, uh, gay pass. That's that's what I have. (laughs) Um, Game Pass day one, and you know, you're, like PlayStation is asking sort of 70, 70 bucks a game, right? And it's just like, mm. you, you, there's gonna get to a point where that's gonna reach critical mass, I believe. Um, mm. and I think that PlayStation does need to be more competitive, and I want them to be more competitive because I love mm. PlayStation, right? And and so, I don't think I think sitting on your laurels only gets you so far. Um, Mm. and as much as I believe in the quality of PlayStation, like first party games, I can't, I, I, I am astounded at how far they've come in the last like five, six, seven years. Um, I think that there does need to be a degree of competition. There does need to be a degree of like, okay, I see what the competition is doing. That is a smart move. We need to start thinking about what we're going to do to offer that to our fan base. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned earlier, you know, they talked about the number of new games they have, the number of, you know, uh, new games they have in their, on their slate and how many of those are, are new IP. And that mm-hmm. is going to be the thing that, that I think takes them to the upper echelon, right? Yeah. Like those, yeah. those new IP, the, the, the ability for PlayStation to crank out so many franchises from their first party studios, new yeah. and established, I think is, is yeah that's going to be huge for them. So And, yeah, and no. just to go... Sorry, Brian, you go ahead. I was just going to say really quick, I think one of the most important things you said, Lucy, was the, the sort of like the consumer-friendly aspect of it. I, I do think that like that, the, the, those are very sort of diametrically opposed philosophies is to sell a $70 game versus selling, you know, a $15 or $12 or whatever, $8, $10, $1 if you get that deal a month of sort of like hundreds of different games. Um, I think that the thing I do want them to rip off from Microsoft was that like kind of announcement they put out a few days before E3, which was, hey, like we're moving towards a future where we are not just uh, sort of codependent on the traditional model of a box Mm -hmm. to play video games. We wanna put um, our streaming services, we wanna put our games onto smart TVs, phones, computers, and stuff like that. I think that'd be awesome because like, that's the kind of thing where it's like, I'll buy a PlayStation 6, but if I can also access all of those games via a cloud on a laptop on a work trip or uh, you know, on a smart TV in a different room, like. Or I can tell my friends about games, but I don't have to tell them you have to, you know, spend six months on stock X fighting scalpers for this $600, $500 console. Like you can right. just buy the games. I think that's like a big, that's a big barrier for entry that I think that we can, we can chop down a little bit. And that's what I'd love to see, because that means that is ultimately to me, removing the walls between uh, the 
consumers and the amazing stories being told by game developers right now. And Sony has tons of those. And if I can tell, you know, my dentist in a few years, I had, I, I had, I had a new, I met, I started new dentist yesterday and i was there for like an hour and a half because we were talking about video games which is amazing and i haven't talked to like a stranger about video games in years so it's great um but we were just like sort of asking me which console would you get right now we had this long conversation and i was thinking about just how cool it would be to sort of be like hey what if you didn't have to have like a conversation with your wife about which 500 box you had to hunt down and what if you didn't have to follow warrior 64 as like a 40 something year old dentist and figure out how to get a game console you could just like download an app on your smart tv and play the last of us three like yeah that's that's super cool and i hope that's where they're heading and i think they will get there for sure can i ask you this conversation that you had with your dentist um was it while he was working on your teeth? Did he just have his hands like, and appliances yeah, in your mouth? And you're just, I don't know. A lot of pauses and a lot of thumbs up and thumbs down. <laughs> but in the meantime, you were having like this existential thing, like yeah. thought process. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful. It was super, super awesome. Yeah. You're saying the game is called Toast of Tsushima? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and, and just quickly sort of wrap up, because I totally agree with you. I think like the... We talk about accessibility a lot on the show. We just had uh, Steve Saylor on for a Ratchet and Clank discussion talking about, you know, accessibility within that game, but just purely accessibility to games right. and being able to play a game as where you find it to be available is, I think, going to be a huge sea change thing that yeah. will affect a lot of the choices people make. Um, but just to go back a little bit to something you had said, Zach, and then we'll sort of wrap up this part of the show, but uh, something you had said that I, I do think is worth talking about whenever PlayStation has a sort of showcase, you were mentioning, you know, like Square show and Capcom show that people felt like, and we, we said on the show, didn't really need to happen. There were really big absences from those shows. And it does feel like PlayStation kind of had the right of first refusal for things like Final Fantasy 16, which wasn't mm. there for... Uh, for Spoken, which was in 93, for mm-hmm. Pragmata, which is the like one of the few officially announced Capcom games right. we know is on the way. PlayStation has this mindshare with third parties as well, where they are going to try to, you know, get console exclusives. We saw that with now a Microsoft owned studio with Death with Studios with Deathloop mm-hmm. and Ghostwire Tokyo. Hey Brian. Um and so, you know, we we saw these games available on uh a couple, Brian, the the formerly uh, PlayStation exclusively produced uh, <laughs> uh, Bethesda and game. But no, we, we saw all these games uh, that PlayStation is clearly trying to double down on the idea of like you come to PlayStation for exclusive experiences. I do all that's I think part of the impetus for me of like why I think we'll see a showcase from them soon is like those were really really big games. Just no one said a word about it. Either. Right, right, uh, right. Um, that's a fair point. But yeah, yeah. Obviously, we are we are in one of these holding patterns, and it's the thing we talked about a lot last year of like. PlayStation silence can be deafening, but it's a silence that they are choosing because they know when they speak up, everyone's going to listen. I think, Brian, you were saying, like, they they can shut up for months and then get, you know, quadruple the audience that any show during E3 did. I um, also think that we're we're kind of considering 2021 to be a slower PlayStation year, but if we get to the end of the year and we've got Returnal and Ratchet and & Clank and Horizon Zero Dawn and a bevy of like awesome indies and third-party games, that's a pretty solid lineup still. And like, what is 2022 and 2023 going to look like for this box? Because I'd be willing to put money on it that it's their bangers. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, I think and, Horizon's going to be delayed. I'm just saying uh, that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's, I feel pretty confident that it won't, but... 
Well, what we talked about taking bets on games. Well, too, so again, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll have to figure it. Yeah. yeah, Lucy's yeah. not a betting woman. So. But, I'm right. not a betting woman, but, but she I'm is willing bet to yeah. be flexible. Right. When it comes, Did you guys to start that. like a ga- like a gambling ring over like the post E3? Yeah. It's great. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. One hundred percent. The stakes are low. <laughs> I mean, mo- most people ran through. Up. We went through a bunch of different vices during COVID, so I mean, yeah. might as well throw yeah, gambling right. in there too. I only go for a trading places style bet. That's <laughs> the only way mm-hmm. I, I tend to bet. Um, I saw that movie when I was way too young, and it stuck with me forever since. Call um, out the court of blood technique. Oh yeah. Uh, whenever we get PlayStation news, we'll of course be covering it here on Podcast Beyond. But in addition to the news, we hope we'll see we've had games that we have actually seen and been playing and are playing a lot of stuff. And uh, there's a a lot of releases, both recent, maybe a little bit older, that I I know we all want to talk about. So Zach, I'll start with you Mm -hmm. uh, as our our guest of honor this week. Uh, What have you been playing recently that you've been really enjoying? Uh, Yeah, I've been been, uh, slowly uh, bouncing between a few different things. Um, Ratchet and Clank, first and foremost. Uh, Man, I, I don't think I've ever seen a game that looks like this game. Like, it looks amazing. And every time I think I've seen something that I'm like, wow, there's nothing that this game can show me that'll be better than this area or this action set piece or whatever, it does something even crazier. Like it, it really looks amazing. Um, and it's fun to play and has like a really endearing story. Like I played a handful of Ratchet and Clank games and I feel like for the most part, I you know, roll credits and I think, okay, that was a nice game. Like I had fun playing it. I don't you know, like I've never really been super invested in the story. This one, different, different kind of mm-hmm. like really loving the story and I'm just having a good time with that. Um, I also played the Final Fantasy VII DLC, which I didn't love. Um, I know okay. we, I know we scored it very highly. Um, uh, people, people uh, online seem to really be loving it. Um, it didn't, it didn't do a lot for me. I thought the combat was really cool. It feels kind of like a platinum game, um, but the the story itself, the length, the um, where it ends up like the last you know the the final cutscenes and stuff set definitely set up more stuff for the the sequel but we still don't know when that's coming and so it just kind of I, you know i thought it was like uh i thought it was fine you know i didn't I, love it i beat it over the weekend and as, as someone who hasn't played any final fantasy like the the original mm-hmm. um i i i kind of agree with you i had really fun a fun time with individual aspects of it, mm-hmm. but as a whole package, it is very disjointed. Yeah. Um, like Fort I Condor, loved Fort Condor yeah. whips ass though. <laughs> Fort Condor yeah. is incredible. I said this last week, but like yeah. put that on mobile or make it a downloadable game. I will happily spend yeah. too much in microtransactions. On Absolutely. That. Yeah. Uh, Fort Condor is awesome. I liked the story teasers toward the end as someone who doesn't know where things go, mm-hmm. but it felt very like ham fisted in there. It almost mm-hmm. felt like scenes either they didn't finish in time for the original release or like, oh, maybe it'll be good to have these before we get to part two. Right. Um, it didn't really need to be there for this DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you said, like Yuffie's combat is really cool. It, it is very much more action heavy and, and a little bit on that platinum side, totally right. But yeah, it is, yeah. it's an odd package of mm-hmm. an episode. Yeah. And um, it's also, you know, it's pretty short. Like I, a completionist run will probably take you 10 to 15 hours, but like just to play it front to back is about three and a half to four. Like I blew through it pretty quickly. Uh, and then I went back and played like a bunch of Fort Condor and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I, I thought it was fine. I was a little disappointed to be honest. And, and I really loved the base final fantasy seven game. So maybe I'll go back and play integrate now that I have it. Um, yeah. But, yeah. And it, then the other, it made me want to go back. 
yeah yeah and then the other thing that i've been playing also yeah like this this stuff at the end like you're seeing here um it's it's like real deep cut final fantasy 7 lore like this these characters are from dirge of cerberus which was a game on playstation oh, 2 that okay. like 40 people played like you know like <laughs> it, it's really deep cut stuff but um and then the other thing that i've been playing is mass effect i'm about halfway through mass effect 3 um freaking love those games and i love those games before i played uh, the the uh legacy collection um if that's what it's called legendary, legendary edition, i don't remember <laughs> yeah um but uh i i played mass effect in a really weird way I, I borrowed an xbox to play the original one i played mass effect 2 on playstation and then like years later i don't know why but years later i i bought a wii a wii u second hand and it came with a bunch of games and one of them was mass effect 3 so i played that there which was not the right choice and <laughs> you know when you're playing those games on disparate consoles your progress doesn't carry over the choices you make don't you know don't carry over and um playing it all in one go playing it all in one sitting it just feels like several seasons of this awesome sci-fi show and you know the 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 choices that you make in one totally pay off in three and you run into characters where you're like I remember this person i helped them do this thing and like that's mm. such a rewarding feeling and i think that there are so many things that that playing it now especially we're so far ahead of its time and you see its influence in modern games um but then it's also it's also really funny to play this collection and see its shortcomings because like man the quest journal sucks so much like it's yeah. so old and just like, like i'm so surprised that they didn't try and improve that at all and you know like all the stuff with the Mako is still really bad in the first game. And um, so that, you know, it's a, it's a mixed package, but if you haven't played those games, man, it, they're really something else to go back to. I know, Brian, I know you had started playing the original Mass Effect and yeah. didn't seem super hot on it. Did you stick with it or did you hang it up? No, I'm going to skip right to two. I think yeah. I, like, I, I got about maybe 10 hours into the first one and was just kind of like, you know what? I'm good here. Like it's just I, I feel it, like they they, they put a lot of very uh, 2007. For yeah, sure. for yeah. sure. Which is interesting because I I I go back and play old games a lot. Um, mm -hmm. and I don't usually have a problem with it. But I think this one particularly just something just do doesn't totally gel with me. Mm -hmm. Um, the character models are super funny. Like they're, the way they're yeah, running, yeah. they're just kind of like yeah <laughs> they got this like, their eyes all look like they like they painted them on. Like it's just there's all this like really like it's a really pretty. They put a lot of really pretty paint on something that's like very um kind of old and and stilted but well, and um, there's still a lot of weird graphical technical stuff that's happening in this totally. collection as well where like characters will just pop into a different position or like a cutscene will kind of skip weird like it, it's it's strange but yeah i had like quest points like pop up uh, like 10 minutes later than they were supposed to like you mm. had to like basically like trigger them into the environment by just like running they're just like weird little hiccups and stuff like that which again i don't really mind like i said i, I I'll, I'll go back and play old games a lot but i'm excited to jump into the second one because like from what i've heard i can kind of catch up on the first one so you know with in five minutes yeah, or something that's so, that's the thing that i've told like folks that haven't played this series is you can the the second one when you start the second one it gives you the opportunity to like essentially play through a visual novel that's not long like it doesn't take very long to get through it but it essentially plays out like um like a motion comic book like where it shows you the story of mass effect one and lets you make all of those choices that you would have made in the base game so those choices actually do get imported what you lose is like 
side quest stuff, you know, like characters that you meet over the course of your play, like that don't necessarily fit the overall narrative. Um, but you can totally make those choices and bring those choices into Mass Effect 2, which is like the leap between two and three is impressive, but the leap between one and two is staggering. Like it, it is a completely different feel I mean, for those. As I days. said to you, Zach, like I don't even remember because I played one and two at the exact times they came out. Mm -hmm. So it was a long time ago. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember anything about one, nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I remember so much about two. And yes, I know that two was later, but it was also just such a profoundly better game. Well, the and the storylines were just so memorable yeah. and so much better. And it, yeah, I, I just don't remember one. I think, I think one has a very, it, like one wears its influences on its sleeve. It's very clear that like, it's pulling from a lot of these different sci-fi tropes and like classic mm -hmm. sci-fi stuff um, to tell like a pretty, I, I won't say rudimentary, but like, okay, there's one clear bad guy and we have to save the world. Two is a, is a character specific driven mystery. And like, it's mm -hmm, a, mm -hmm. it's a totally different way of storytelling. And like, you know, it, it wants you to get invested in those characters as opposed to like buying in on the world. And so like the, the first game is great world setting. And the second one is like a character exploration. So, and then the third one just kind of ties everything up and has like, you know, I, I've not finished it yet uh, this time around, but I'll, I'll see fact, how it hits different after. Fun fact, I went to the Mass Effect 3, God, what do they even call them these days? Like studio, it was like a media thing. Mm -hmm. There's like a handful of us. I was working for a PlayStation magazine in Australia at the time, and it was in uh, uh, Canada in um, Edmonton, mm -hmm. which is where Bioware is based. It took us like 40 hours <laughs> to get there from Sydney. I don't know. We just we, we, like, we stopped off at so many different places. We stopped off in San Francisco and then we're there for hours. And anyway, we get there and we saw like three storyboards. And then we just went no. home. That's funny. They showed us nothing so much. It was a delight to be there and sort of see the studio and see, you know, the Edmonton cold. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just hilarious, like making that massive trek and then like learning nothing really about Mass Effect 3. I did a trip like that once for a game that was definitely wasn't 40 hours, but it was it was a trip. And I watched the I watched the trailer on like a laptop in like a small cubicle and then <laughs> went back to the airport. And it was one of those like this could have been an email. you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Those. Uh, yeah, those are some interesting trips. I love the idea that it took you a full Mass Effect playthrough to get to the studio. And then you saw what essentially is like the right. DLC unlock. Like, oh, we have a bonus storyboard for you to look at, too. You just mm -hmm. didn't get to actually play the game. Um, like we had some interviews, but it was just not, there right. was no, no real totally. revelation. Yeah, right? no, totally. I am, I, I am still in one, but I, I very much am excited to get to those leaps that you're talking about, Zach. I, I can't wait to actually play through this because I'm, I'm digging the, like the character and the world. So the fact that two becomes so much more of a focus on them is really, really exciting. Yeah. Um, Lucy, what have you been playing? Well, I've been playing Ratchet and Clank, which is my first Ratchet and Clank ever. And I've, you know, I sort of discovered two things about it. One is that it's got a real like 90s cartoon vibe, which mm -hmm. I really enjoy. It, it's very it sort of speaks to me on like that level of my childhood. Um, of course, it's ridiculously pretty, so I won't belabor that point. Uh, I'm really enjoying it, but also <laughs> it's just taking me back to that like period of time when I used to play like Jack and Daxter 
which was sort of late teens and then when I was in college um and you know you just have all this sort of like free time when you were like avoiding studying or whatever and I would just sit there kind of like slumped playing these platform games and they were kind of like quite childlike but like really well crafted um and you know you just would collect things <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that it's taking me back to that time like it's 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 it is perfect for what it is trying to do but it is very much taking me back to an era of a certain like type of game that i have not played in a long time mm-hmm. um so i'm sort of finding myself like really enjoying it but it's like sort of sitting there like slack jawed like just feeling that familiar groove <laughs> yeah. of the old school kind of like 90s platform game and of course it's not that it's right. like it's very sophisticated in in many many ways um but the vibe of it is still like it's kind of old school mm-hmm. and like yeah. i i'm enjoying it i'm having a blast but um it it certainly feels like it is an old school platformer that has been upgraded you know mm-hmm. for 2021 yeah i i love this game so much i'm 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 so glad we're all playing it or have played it because it's like, I I think it's just so special. It does so many just incredibly smart things that I think are kind of understated. Like, for example, it is consistently dumping all these new weapons on you that are Mm -hmm. uh, relatively light in ammo. And so you'll Mm -hmm. run out of them quickly and then be like, oh, crap. Like, I was so good with that gun. But I guess I'll switch over to the mushroom thing. <laughs> and you're like, what the hell is this? And you shoot a couple of those and they run out. And you're like, all right, I'll jump over to something else. And you're constantly incrementally uh, upgrading all of those things and leveling them up as you use them more. So not only are you rewarded for um, using them sort of in you know synchronicity and flipping around between all of them, which gets you outside of your comfort zone, gets you playing different weapons, but also you can bring them to that you know sassy woman who is always just like, hey, I'll up- upgrade your guns too. You can put your little blue rocks all in the holes and they'll be strong <laughs> and big and good. Uh, like, I think it's like super fun the way they do that because they're, you know, 15, 10 hours into the 12, 12 hours into the game, they're like, you go to the shop and she's like, I've got three more weapons for you. And you're like, how? I have 20 already. And you're like, cool like a glove that shoots holograms great i'll buy it let's get it this one like shoots little green robots all over the craze this this turns a guy into a tree buy them all sure and so i think that's like really smart um i do think that it's like as a sort of like a hardcore sort of old school platforming guy the platforming is amazing i think that the level design gets a little bit it falls apart a little bit when you start to dig around in the margins a little bit it feels a little bit like when you're at disney world and everything is so bespoke and beautiful but then you look to a corner where you shouldn't look and there's like um in the rock wall there's like an employee restroom door you know <laughs> like there's a lot of like deep pockets of this game that make you feel like you should be exploring them um and then once you get over there it's kind of like an invisible wall will pop up or so, a barrier or something like that and that's sort of antithetical to the way that i play something like super mario 3d super mario games where you're sort of invited to poke around in every single corner because there's right. probably going to be stuff hidden everywhere so that's one of the only downsides but i think that it's at the same side it's like it's it's kind of a plus that this game is so good that it has me digging around in all those corners like lucy you were tweeting about how like this game has you collecting stuff that you wouldn't probably you, you just skip in a normal game like right? oh i am so compelled <laughs> like i'm doing everything awesome. here i'm getting i'm doing every sign i go i go in the mm-hmm. little sh- spaceship and you see a thing you haven't done i'm gonna go do it because it's just so much fun You're right how can you ignore something that's like optional find the 
missing chef how can you be like i'm not gonna do that and this is gonna make this is gonna make me sound like you know like a 70 year old conservative <laughs> senator who's like boycotting <laughs> video games but like the fact that when i was a kid if there was like four characters on screen at once everything slowed down in whatever game you're playing versus now where this is the busiest video game i've ever played i switched yeah. the uh the little bolt collectible over to the soda cans oh, from yeah. sun so it's just like thousands yeah. of soda cans all over the ground everywhere and there's lightning bolts and lasers and hundreds of enemies and it's just it's crazy busy yeah. i love it there's so much stuff going on that at the, mm -hmm. at, at the first couple of hours that I played it, I had a hard time like keeping track of everything yeah. to be completely honest. Like, like, especially in those first few areas where there's like cars flying everywhere and characters walking on the street and then you're shooting stuff that's exploding into all these particles and there's all these particle effects elsewhere. Like legitimately for like the first hour or so, I was just like, wow, it, it's almost hard to navigate because there's just so much stuff happening. And eventually like you figure out how to see through the matrix and and understand you know and like that's the thing about this game also is like the accessibility modes will allow you to change all that stuff mm -hmm. to, to work better for how you perceive things but yeah man for a little bit there i was just like i don't know if i'm <laughs> going to be able to stick with this it's making my my brain tired like it's, it's busy yeah it's definitely I mean, that's how i felt like it, it this is a game that made me feel i know i make jokes about the mm. fact that i'm old but this game made me feel relentlessly old. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I was still really enjoying it. I'm still really enjoying it, but I'm just like, oh, the colors, you know? It was just like, <laughs> it was just so much going on. Well, there was a, there was definitely a time where I was like, I have a vague fundamental idea of how a video game gets made theoretically. <laughs> now I'm like, nope. No clue. <laughs> Wizards show up at a studio for two years in secrecy and this appears. I don't mm. understand any of it. It's rock solid. It barely hiccups. It's insane. I don't yeah. I don't get it, yeah. but it's I'm so happy for it. And they put this out after doing Miles Morales, the Spider-Man remaster. Unbelievable. Like mm -hmm. they they just keep going. It's it's wild. I am so, I just so want to see the next Spider-Man. Like now we've got Ratchet done and we can see uh insomniac flex in a way that we've never seen them flex before i just cannot wait for the next spider-man yeah yeah i it's... saw people like there were there were like memes going around where people were just like like the, the when when you when you run past a bush in this game it doesn't even move and i was i was like are you kidding me like this this is what we're mad about are you what like there's everything is happening here oh wait that was a criticism they're yeah, like yes. it doesn't even move there was this weird trend on twitter of i can only assume people who hate playstation to hate playstation were like right. oh here's the small little graphical thing i can point out to show that this game is somehow bad and it, yeah, yeah, it was puddles all over again, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Just insanely yeah. small puddles. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it was a, a ridiculous trend that I'm, I'm very glad was not, uh, taken too seriously because yeah, it's the, the work they're doing in this is just, it's stunning. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm so excited we, to see where they go next. We didn't need puddle gate. We don't need bush gate or whatever. Yeah. Next one is. Um, that's yeah. Uh, I'm, I can't wait to see where they go from here. Uh, just sort of as we're running a little short on time, Brian, anything else that you want to give a shout out to? Uh, no, I'll get into it next week. Uh, okay, I, cool. I, I fell back in love with a whole bunch of Far Cry games recently, but I'll, I'll talk about them next time. Cool. Yeah, we, we've, we haven't talked too much about Six, so yeah, we can definitely do that in the, in the coming weeks. Um, but yeah, it's a very exciting time. As we were saying, we can't wait to see what's coming out in the future. But uh, if you haven't played Ratchet & Clank and you have a PS5, 
go pick up Ratchet and Clank. It's a very, very great game. Uh, I think right we... now it's probably the best reason to own a PlayStation. Like, 100%. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me, we need to update our top PS5 games list. Uh, we sure do. In addition to that, uh, look, you can look forward to it later on IGN. Uh, I do want to wrap up the show with uh, our segment Memory Card, which we haven't done in a couple of recent weeks because they've been very, very busy. Uh, but Memory Card is, of course, our, our segment where you, the viewers and listeners at home, will write in with wacky, weird, sad, happy, whatever memories of your PlayStation gaming life and we read them on the show this week. But this week, I want to throw it to Zach, as for those who may not have seen, this is Zach's last week at IGN. He is he is absconding away from us. Uh, and I wanted to sort of give you the floor for, for any sort of memory, PlayStation or otherwise really that you might want to share with the audience yeah i'll, I'll keep it brief i i think on beyond 600 i told the story about um uh calling in sick multiple days in a row at uh, to school to uh, i faked sick so i could play metal gear solid um so i won't <laughs> tell that story again um but my other maybe you know second favorite playstation memory is um I was in. I was at the press press conference at E3 2015 when um, they revealed uh, Last Guardian was coming back. When they revealed Final Fantasy VII Remake. When Shenmue Three was was re revealed um, or was revealed to be coming out. Um, and that was my first E3, my first E3 in the industry. Like my first, you know, I'd watched E3 several times before that, but this is the first that I was working as part of the industry. The first that I had attended, and then this was my first press conference. And I didn't know, you know, like they, we we had been pre-briefed on stuff, but a lot of the biggest stuff that, that was going to happen wasn't telegraphed to us. So I wasn't prepared as like a Final Fantasy VII fan from a bygone era. Like I wasn't prepared for seeing that trailer and also the reaction in that room. Um, and so like, I, you know, I'm there, I'm jazzed. It's PlayStation. I can't wait to see everything they have in store. And then like at the end of that press conference or in the middle, whenever it was, you know, you see that feather fall in from the trailer and the music starts up and I was like, you can't be serious. Like this is, this can't be Final Fantasy VII. And you could feel the collective like breath from the room. Like everybody's like, oh, like, what is this going to be? Is this what we think it is? And then when the music started and the logo popped up, the, the whole stadium <laughs> that this press conference was happening in erupted in screams and cheers and laughter and clapping. To the extent, like, it was so loud that it hurt my chest. Like, it physically hurt. The sound was so loud to be in that room at that moment. And it was just like, wow, this is fandom. Like, this is what people talk about when they talk about they they love, you know, PlayStation or Xbox or Nintendo. Like, this is it right here. Um, It also could be what they were talking about, you know, with Final Fantasy. But to me, that was just, like, a huge thing to be a part of. Like, that press conference is... It's on our list of top 10, you know, E3 press conferences ever. And I was there when it happened. And that's awesome to me. Like, that's a, a memory that I'll have forever, you know, just because um, this, this confluence of multiple things, you know, my first yeah. E3 and et, et cetera. But, um, but then my other, my other favorite PlayStation memory is um, just getting to do this show with y'all over the course of the last five years, uh, you know, beyond was something that I listened to before IGN. Um, I was, you know, uh, I participated a lot for a few years. I've been on sporadically here and there the last couple of years. And um, I love talking about PlayStation and I love talking about PlayStation with with you guys. So uh, thank you for having me on as much as you did. We're going to miss you, Zach. Yeah, I'll miss yeah. you guys too. You'll be back. You'll come back to guest. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. If That's going to happen. I'd love to we'll that. make sure yeah. it happens. You're yeah. welcome back whenever uh, you're in the area of the Discord call, of course. Uh, right, yeah. You know. uh, so uh, should I be in the proximity? What's... 
based on what Zach said before about being at that press conference, I want to backtrack everything I said earlier about Sony not having or needing to do any of those things. <laughs> I guess they should. <laughs> that's, that's good. Yeah. That's good. That's they were good. very good at it. They right. were always really very good at it. They were yeah. really, really good at it. And, and Zach, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And, and I'm happy for you that you were able to have that such a confluence of things. I totally get what you're saying. Like even yeah. more so than just that reveal, the extra layered personal aspects of it can just make a moment like that so impactful. And that, that's totally, awesome yeah. that you're able to have that. Um, and yeah, I, I think with that, thank you, Zach, you know, for joining us for this week and, and for joining us in the past as well. We'll miss Thanks you, me. but you are welcome back, of course. Uh, for for people who want to find you elsewhere, they can find you on Twitter at Zacharias D. Mm -hmm. uh, you can That's also right. find uh, all of us on Twitter. I'm at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle and Lucy is at Luso Brian. Uh, thank you to all of you for joining me for this week. Uh, and thank you to Red and Jeremy, our producers, helping to make this show happen. And thank you to everyone out there listening and watching. We hope you're safe and we hope you're well. And as always, beyond. 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 Some of the best content for kids is both entertaining and educational. And with 5 for 5 Trivia, not only do kids get to learn from each week's brand new theme, they also get to challenge themselves by playing trivia. A Parents' Choice Foundation Silver Award winner, this fast-paced trivia podcast is perfect for kids ages 6 to 12. It's released five times a week, so it's a quick addition to your daily routine and a fun challenge to get five out of five right on trivia topics like animal sounds, time travel, fictional ghosts, and underwater exploration. So get your high fives warmed up and check out Five for Five Trivia, available wherever you listen to podcasts.